0: You know, um, you know, there, there are times when I feel like I'm a really grumpy person, and the older I get, the grumpier I get. I don't know what it is, but there's something wrong with that, because it, uh, grumpiness is one of those things that uh, um, causes you to lack appreciation for for really good things for well, the blessings that you have. know, uh, I rarely go on Facebook, but every once in a while I do. And Ron Gittleman always has post these uh, three things that I'm grateful for today. I, I consider it a really excellent habit uh, that, Ron, that Ron takes the time to do that because uh, it reminds him, I guess, of all the good things that God has done for him and his family has done for him and, and those kinds of things. And I need to get into that. And so this week when I was studying this portion from Romans, as I've been doing now for a few months, um, I fixated on one verse out of the portion that we read this morning. If you have those little sheets of paper, they, they, they print the uh, portions in them so you can see it. It's really the first verse of chapter 4 of, of the letter to the Romans. Which says, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? So I wanted to uh, explore that idea. What did he find? Now, of course, Rob Shaul gives us a little bit of an idea as he goes through that of what he found. And really, to sum it up in a word, what he found was Grace. And so I want to talk about grace because this is the one thing I want to learn how to appreciate more and more every day because it's going to make me less grumpy when I realize the grace that God pours out on me every single day and probably on you too. You've got to understand that grace is one of those things, and this is what Paul talks about a lot lot in the book of Romans, that God is the initiator of this relationship. We don't do anything, we don't do much, well we respond or don't. But that everything originates with God. Did you know that there's uh, you know something there's a, there's a concept, a theological concept, I guess. Uh, about grace, that grace comes in a number of different ways. And one of them is common grace. You know, this is grace that is shed upon all human beings everywhere. The sun rises every morning. As Messiah Yeshua said, the rain falls on the good and the bad. There's air in the atmosphere, at least until we destroy it by putting holes in it. You know, the temperature is reasonable most of the time on this planet all those things, we take them for granted. We think that we're owed those things. You know, when we forget that we're not owed them, we you, know, we, 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 you know, we get grumpy. We think grumpiness is our right. But if God were to remove any one of them, we could not exist. And so we have to learn to appreciate the grace that God gives to all of us. You know, there's a prayer. We say it every morning in the morning blessings. Uh, it says, you know, Lord, we, uh, you have made us with many openings in our body. And if but one of them were closed, or if one that was supposed to be closed were open, we would not be able to exist before you. You don't even think about that. Until you get really old, then you start realizing what he's talking about. We need to learn how to appreciate that everything begins with God. Here's a story that comes from uh, an ancient, ancient, not that ancient sage of the Jewish people. His name was Sefas Ames. He lived uh, in the 19th century, late 19th century. And he wrote a commentary, he wrote many commentaries, but this is about a commentary he wrote on Lech Lecha, portion which is the call of Abraham from God. So he's commenting actually on something from the Zohar, which says, Woe to those who sleep in their holes, and Avraham of Enu heard and accepted. Now, Zohar is a strange bit of literature, so you sort of have to understand the context a bit. But woe to those who sleep in their holes, those grumpy people, but Avraham Avinu, he heard and accepted. And so the implication of the Zohar, uh, at the Sefer is pointing out, is that those words uh, from that initial statement that started Avraham Avinu on his life's mission and launched into history. In other words, go for yourself, lech lecha. That was a song that God was singing to the whole world. But us grumpy guys sitting in our holes, we could not hear it. But Avraham Avinu, because he was listening for it, he heard it. It was no prior merit on his part. God was singing that song to everybody, singing that song to you and to me right now. Lech leka. Let go of those things that you think are so valuable that you should get grumpy over them. So he goes on to say that Abraham was the only person in the world who heard it and was responsive. The Torah is not focused on his prior merit because Hashem did not address it to him individually but to everyone. He wasn't chosen. He chose. In other words, that God sang that song, initiated, and he said yes. This is what Avraham Avinu found. He found the voice of heaven in all of the world. You know, if you think about Avraham Avinu's life, I mean, it was kind of a dysfunctional family, you know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, you know, his father is an idolater. And he's over there smashing his father's idols. I can only imagine there was a little conflict in the house. You know what I mean? Uh, later on, of course, we know you his know, children and grandchildren all had their issues. But through it all, throughout it all, in each and every generation, there was someone who heard that call, who found it, who found grace in what God was doing. And that's what I want to be able to do. I want us all to be able to find grace in this life. To feel that God we can respond to the voice of God because we hear it. Because we shut out some of the noise that's constantly uh, clanging around in our brains. All the noise, all the stuff. And boy, it makes me grumpy. We need to quiet down and to hear what God is saying. When we hear the voice of God, we have the opportunity then to respond. And so it says that Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him for righteousness. What did he do? He went. He was able to shed everything. You know? The story, the other story is, he leave your house, your family, the land that you know, all, the, all of that comfortable stuff, and go into a place that I will show you. And that's not the easiest thing in the world to do. I can't imagine it was all that easy for Abraham to do after all. You know, he had to come a long way. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what he would find there. Except he knew that the voice of God was calling him. You know, I'm happy to say that I had that experience, you know, very many years ago, at least once in my life. It was back then, and the year was 1986, and I just heard something. And so I said, I have to go. It took me a little while to get off my took this but I had to go. Because God was promising something. And maybe what is promising is what's happening right now. That we can be together and talk about the good things of God. But it takes a lot to do it. You have to say to yourself, the things that I can do for myself are Nothing in comparison to what God can do for me. Can you do that? Or do you think so much of yourself that you can do a better job for yourself than God? Try bringing the sun up on your own one morning. Try breathing without h two, you know, oxygen and nitrogen in the air or whatever. And maybe we'll get an idea. That without the grace of God, we cannot exist. And so what comes next is faith. A demonstration of faith. And this is what I, you know, this is something we have to all talk about. You know something, the only way we can be compelling in this world to our fellow Jews, to the rest of the world... Is by the power of our testimony, the testimony that we heard the voice of God. Listen, anybody in this congregation who wants to argue with me theologically, you know, like tear the book apart, go for it. You know, i I you know, I've spent 30 years looking at it, you know, up and down and over and under. You know something? I've never convinced anybody of anything that way. Never, not once. And it's not because I don't have the gift of gab. But what has convinced people is what God did for me in my life. For the changes that he made in me. That make me who I am today. Grumpy and all. I'll tell you one story. My wife and I are very proud of this story. Her parents, God bless them. and they be for a blessing Always. Uh, were very, un- very unhappy when she became a believer in Messiah Yeshua. I remember the day. It was Super Bowl Day in 1992, I think it was. And uh, I was going to watch the Super Bowl, and I'm sorry. And uh, of course, I can't tell you who played then. <laughs> you know. But I remember she, went to, she decided that was the day she was going to go over to her parents' house and tell them about her faith. She had been a believer for a little while, but she'd always avoided this because it was going to be such a big deal. And for sure, it was a big deal. They went ballistic. Ballistic. They're cut out of the will. We don't want to see you again. Get out of here. And this is, you know, and Marilyn and her mother are like frickin' frack. They are closer than sisters. And for that to have happened was a devastating, ma- devastating. I even remember a couple of days later, I was in my office, where I was working at the time, and my father-in-law called me and started screaming at me, at the top of his lungs. What are you doing? You crazy! And I remember him yelling at me that I was ruining their family and everything, and. I remember telling him, Pop, what do you want me to do? I'm not going to choose between you and God. Don't make me do that. And so how could such devastating, (laughs) it was so devastating, how could it be repaired? How could it ever, how could it, how will it ever change? At that moment, bleep. It was very hard on us for a little while, but we things calmed down a little bit. They began to talk or to talk to us again, because basically because we had grandchildren. And what changed everything for them? What changed? It was our testimony, the testimony of our lives, that we were the we were the faithful ones to the word of God that we were shown the Shabbos that our children knew the traditions and the prayers that we celebrated the holy days that we committed our lives to what we believed because we had found a better way and I'll never forget it my, my middle daughter Jamie had her bat mitzvah my father-in-law came to do the, uh, the Aliyah and broke down in tears. And that Tuesday, I got another phone call from him. He called me up and he said, Rabbi, I want to thank you. And that meant everything in the world to me, that he recognized who I was and what I had done. I can't convince them about anything about the Bible. And never have been. But the power of our lives, that made the difference. And the power of your life, and your life, and your life, and your life, that's what's going to make the difference to anybody, Jew or non-Jew. We have to have a better answer in our own lives. Not selling stuff to people, except who and what we are. That's what Abraham found. Yes, he smashed idols, but he didn't make one convert that way. No. But he made a sea of believers through the life that he lived by going, by responding to the the voice of God. And that's what we need to do. And we will find it too. I'm going to end just to show you that there is indeed real synergy in this congregation. Like, I worked on this sermon all week, and I'm closing with this scripture, which David already used. Okay? Did we talk about this? No, we did not talk about this ahead of time. Because when we find the voice of God, and follow it. The impossible becomes possible in our lives. You can find all the possibilities with God. So again, that story from Matthew chapter 19, where he says, Truly I say to you, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were very astonished. and They said, who can be saved? Who can be? For after all, you know, in that day and age, if you were rich, it must mean that God was blessing you. And even to this very day, we think that God is blessing people who are rich. No, he's not. It's a curse half the time. Depends on what you do with it. You know, I heard about the Powerball. There are three, three, three winners. And uh, based on the numbers, after taxes, these three people, whoever they are, will probably have in their possession $250 million apiece. Now, I'll bet you dollars to donuts, since these people are the ones who frequent, you know, 7 Eleven stores, that most of them are not very well off. So, this is going to be the first time they ever have money more than enough uh, to jingle in their pockets. They're ruined. They're ruined. Unless they get some really good advice, they'll ruined. So I do not envy them. I don't. Better they should have heard the voice of the Lord and heard what he has to say. So that they might merit the world to come. He says, who can be saved? Looking at them, Yeshua said, with people this is impossible. But with God all things are possible. And then Peter said to him, behold, we've left everything and followed you. Lord, we, we were the ones who heard that voice. We left everything, just like Abraham Avinu. What then will there be for us? You know, this is not a one-way thing where we become the slaves of God and get nothing for it. Just obey bow, down, kneel, yield. That is not the God we serve. What will there be for us? Yeshua said to them, Truly I say to you, that you who have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone." Who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or farms, for my name's sake, will receive many times as much, and will inherit eternal life. That's what we have. That's what Abraham found. And we can find it too. And we can help others find it by the song of our lives. So let's sing a mighty tune showing people the love of Messiah and the grace of our God. Amen. Congregation, please stand with me as we conclude our service this morning. Page 78. Rebono Alam. We bless the master of the universe who sustains all things. Who makes everything by his grace work together for us.